With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things in the Carl Chevrolet studios. You're looking to buy a new pre owned vehicle, Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny. CarlChevrolet.com. Carl Chevrolet of Stewart. CarlChevroletStewart.com. Exit 90 at the Rock off I-35 in Ankeny. And then just west of the Des Moines Metro in Stewart. Hello, Jeff Woody. Hello. It is, uh, with all the snow, recent snow we've gotten, um, girlfriend drives a, like a four-cylinder Toyota. And with all the snow, I've had to, not had to, I've, I've volunteered because I enjoy driving it and because it handles really well in the snow. I've just taken my Colorado and like, if... If she was planning on just coming over to hang out, I would drive down to pick her up and come back up because my 2018 Colorado from Carl's drives so well in the snow that I'm volunteering to drive other people in the snow for the purpose of driving my vehicle in the snow. So you can get your own at Carl Chevrolet to enjoy. And I mean, this, this is, again, all these, this stuff that I talk about is legitimately true. Oh, yeah. No, I believe all you. of that happens. Yeah. So thank you to Carl Chevrolet providing a fantastic snow vehicle. It's like, you're basically like uh, when a kid in high school wanted to drive his little, you know, his, uh, his, his 1992 Ford, uh, I don't know. The Pinto? Yeah, his Ford, 1992 Ford Pinto. Take it out, hit the e-brake a little bit. On and just the, do donuts in the, yeah, in the do, parking lot? And, but instead you like legitimately want to drive people around in the snow. Responsible driving in the snow is so much fun. It's also fun to go in the parking lot, turn it off a four wheel and just spin around because that's what adults do. Man, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what to even say to that. Cause I'm a child. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. I'm, let's just talk about football. Okay. We could do that. There's two football games that happened. One of which I would consider a football game, and one of which was a thorough ass whooping that was old school. Like that was a that was a that was an ass kicking from like nineteen eighty seven when mm-hmm. a team just runs out it's like when the Bills would just give it to Thurman Thomas thirty four times a game back in like nineteen ninety five and just beat the hell out of every other team until they got to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like that's what that felt. Or the the Broncos in ninety eight when Elway would just hand it to Terrell Davis thirty three times and for two hundred and fifty yards or whatever it was. That's what it felt like the 49ers did to the Packers. And no offense to any Packers fans, we're not going to rehash this uh, in a negative way. But I feel like after the first quarter you kind of made peace with the season. If you're a Packers fan, right? Like, like there was really once you're down 27-0 in San Francisco. I think Packers fans are like, yeah, well, that's done. I don't think there's anyone that's really disappointed about the, how the second half went. Yeah. in that game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I I was playing in a Nike League game last night, and I went to check my phone at halftime, and they were up twenty-seven to zero, 
And I was like, wow. Well, at least I guess I don't have to watch the rest of that game when I get home. Yeah, I had it on. Uh, I had the, the Chiefs game, um, which was fun. I think that one went, I think, better for the Chiefs than I expected. Uh, but I had, uh, I was working at the gym until three or so. And then I had rec league basketball at five. So I had it recorded and I watched it like just catching up live, which is fantastic. Being able to be like, skip the commercials and skip halftime and mm-hmm. you just go right to watching the game, which was super fun. Um, and then, yeah, I went to half or like the, the chiefs had sort of wrapped it up. And then by the time I got home, I kind of started the game a little bit. And like, I literally got home, paused the game, went to take a shower, came back, hit pause or hit start, walked into the kitchen to start making dinner, come out from making dinner and it's 10 to zero. And I'm like, Oh, but that was, was four minutes. Yeah. How did it happen that in four minutes, the Packers got down. 10 points and then it just snowballed fast from there yeah i mean i i turned it on i mean i got back home and it was like probably 10 minutes left in the third quarter and the packers tried to make a little bit of a mini run there Mm -hmm. but even then that mini run was like i mean they were down by so much and then the 49ers basically could, could still do anything they wanted to getting first downs on offense and it's like you're not gonna have enough time to ever be able to do anything else well i think the kind of cool thing about like the general trend is um, I think like 2018, 19 have been the past couple years in the NFL where coaches have pulled their heads out of their asses kind of collectively and they've just gone, oh, this is what we should do. Mm -hmm. Our team is built to do X. We should not try and force them to do Y. And so the Titans and the Chiefs are kind of examples of that where the Chiefs just did what they do better than the Titans did what they do because they have the, the Chiefs are the best player in football right now. I mean, Lamar Jackson's really freaking good. Yeah. But Pat Mahomes, you, I mean, is arguably better. Again, granted, they got him to, he pretty much single-handedly got them to the Super Bowl. But the Titans are a run first, run second, pass third style team. And the Chiefs, they like mix it up with one run every seven downs and the rest of it is just Pat Mahomes going and being like a, a machine. And that was the successful style where the Packers like to run the ball, but the game ended up with them having to throw it a lot more than they wanted to. Um, and the 49ers, I mean, it was documented Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes. So you have one really run heavy team that whooped the ass of the team that liked to throw it. And then in the other conference, the team that threw it all the time whooped the ass of the team that wants to run it all the time. So it kind of goes to the trend of, you know, what we'd always talk, always talk about with Lincoln Riley is just square peg, square hole. Like what is the, what does your team do really, really well and do the most you can with that team? So like the 49ers, I mean, I think everyone has probably seen one or two games of the 49ers this year and more, probably more games of the Chiefs. But every time you watch the 49ers, one of the things that is really cool about their offense is they built it around George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. Like, and that's not in any sarcastic or like sort of joking terms. Those guys are such versatile players at weird positions. It's sort of like a basketball team. Like George Kittle is George Niang, where he's a forward that's predominantly going to be considered a big body, but does is and is capable of doing the big body things like the, the your common things of getting rebounds, getting offensive boards, scoring in the paint, but he's able to also go out and flex. And so his capacity to float from a predominantly big man position, but be skilled enough to operate a skill man's position. That's what Kittle does where he is really good with his hand on the ground. And it's funny as he wasn't that good at Iowa. He was good, but he wasn't 
this good. No. And, but he's able to just move people as a blocker. And then when you flex him out as a true one-on-one, he's so good at getting open and just being a really physical pass catcher, a physical, yeah, uh, physical presence outside that you have to respect him as a pass threat. So what they do with that is they know that you have to know where 85 is at all times. So that's why they motion him all the time is they essentially see who's traveling with him. And a lot of times when you motion a tight end, because he's, again, he's a big man's position, a tight end is a big man's position. So when you motion a tight end, a lot of times that will change the strength of the defense. And so defensive line or defensive linemen and linebackers, a lot of times will set to a strength. They won't set to a side of the field. So if a tight end comes out and it's on the, he's on the offensive right side, the, it's the defensive left side as they're looking at it, then they'll say strong left, strong left, strong left, because they'll set it to the tight end. Now, granted, you can, with different formations, it's different linebackers' responsibilities to identify what the strength is. So it's not always the tight end, but a lot of times it is. Well, against the 49ers, if you usually use a tight end key where your strength is, then you go, okay, strong left, strong left, strong left. Well, then they trade motion him to the other side. Now it's strong right, strong right, strong right. So on the strong side, you have a defensive end that is outside the tight end. You have a defensive lineman, an interior defensive lineman that's outside the guard, let's say. And then on the back side, you have a defense or another defensive lineman that's just off the center. And then another one that's kind of on the other side of the tackle. So you have tackle center on the, the, the weak side and guard tack or guard tight end on the front, on the strong side. When he trades, what do you do? Yeah. So do you then bump over? Do you, you put that formula the weak side make that the strong side and then you move over again from the center to the guard and then from the tackle to the tight end or do you just leave it there and like motion a, a linebacker on the other side and so those decisions that a defense makes that's what Jimmy Garoppolo and it's funny because he does he does deserve a ton of credit of orchestrating this running game because they have checks you'll you'll see it like if you watch um if you're able to go back and rewatch that game if they have any butt shots um, watch 85 and, and uh, 44. I think use check is number 44. Butt shot meaning a shot from behind. It's not literally a picture of someone's butt. But a shot from behind uh, the offense. You'll see 85 and 44. They'll point. They'll give the running back a direction. So like use check will motion. And, and so Kyle Juszczyk, the full their fullback, they use him in a very similar sense because he's able to block defensive tackles and is able to block cornerbacks. Like he's able to block everybody in between and he's a good enough receiver that he can kind of take dives or, or kind of sneak out of the backfield. Um, but they'll use both of those guys to motion around and they're just going to see what the defense does in relation to the motion. And then when they motion back, Garoppolo will call out a direction Use check because the running back can't hear it. He's, I mean, he's facing the quarterback's mm-hmm. facing away from, him and he's seven and a half, eight yards deep. So use check will like point or like he'll tap to his tap his butt to the direction where the play is going. And so the running back in the huddle, they probably call two or three plays uh, or one play with a, a right side, left side option or whatever. And use check or Kittle when they motion back, that gives Garoppolo the indication like when they motion, if they bump the backers, run it to the run it to where Kittle just left or if they don't bump the backers and they bump the defensive line, run it to where he's at. Like there's conditions that they're looking at, which is why they get such good run angles because you have a great blocker. You're moving to one side. You have another great blocker with use check. That's able to clean stuff up in the middle. If somebody gets through and then you have a running back that is going to find open space because the running game, it's square peg, square hole. You're going to run to where they aren't and get your guys in situations that they can do well. 
So all that motion that they're doing, it's not just random motion of checking to see if it's man or zone because they don't care. They're not trying to throw the ball. It's man or, it's, it's trying to see whether the defensive line adjusts, what the linebackers adjust, if they spin a safety down. Um, and if you start spinning safeties down because you think the motion, like uh, an, a specific motion, like if Kittle goes from the offensive left side to the offensive right side, you think that means they're going to run right behind where Kittle just landed. Well, they're going to run a play action and run Kittle right up next to, you know, essentially run right by you and you're one-on-one with the safety. And then they just have, you know, one of Jimmy's six passes that he completed, but it's a 40-yard completion to Kittle because he's one-on-one with the safety. Like, the 49ers offense is so much fun to watch, but it's so old school. Like, they don't run crazy concepts. Yeah. They just use that mo- that creative motion to just get guys in positions where they want them to be and then use 85 and 44 and I might be getting use checks number wrong, but 85 and 44 to block guys that normally a tight end and a fullback can't block because they're not as good of blockers as what San Francisco has. And then they just get running backs that are stupid fast. Like Raheem Mostert and uh, Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman, they're just stupid fast. They're good running backs, but their main thing is just speed. Because as soon as you get an opening, because they get really good angles and they're going to let a fullback and a tight end open it up for you, then just outrun everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, Raheem Mostert had all of his success was just because he had giant freaking open lanes because that offense is so well set up. Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, it was what, like the first time since like 1974 that someone had thrown single digit passes and won a playoff game? Yeah, and it wasn't even that they won. Like, yeah, that wasn't close. Well, they, you, you don't they, even need to. No, they there's ran, no reason to throw They ran an absolute rough shot. And that's what like the Titans... It was the, that game against the Chiefs was the first time in... Or to throw the ball, sorry. That, that was the first time in the playoffs that Ryan Tannehill had thrown more than 100 yards. Uh-huh. And it was the first game they lost. Yeah. Because the, the, the Titans want to do a more old school version of what the 49ers do. So the 49ers take this kind of modern approach of movement and pre-snap motion. And the Titans kind of don't. They kinda, Titans just kind of flex at you and be like... We're stronger. We have better tackles with Luan and Conklin. We have better tackles or tack. Yeah, we have better offensive tackles. We have a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound running back. You're not going to tackle him thirty five times. You're going to tackle. We're going to give it to him thirty five times. You're going to tackle him twenty seven times, and he's going to keep running for the other ones. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the AFC game. It's not that the Titans just executed worse. It's that the Chiefs just did what they do better than the Titans do what they did. And so again, it's like it's flipped like the AFC game and the NFC game were like exact inverses of each other of what style works. Yeah. And it was like, it was, it got to a point where even when Tennessee, they marched right down the field, scored on their first possession, kicked a field goal. And I was like, man, the fact that they did not put the ball in the end zone right there feels like a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it did end up being a really big deal throughout the rest of the game, but it was just because you knew that even if Kansas City went three and out early in the game or something like that, like that offense is way too good to be held down for an entire 48 minutes or entire 60 minutes, I mean. And they are eventually going to find something. And they're going to figure you out. And they're going to figure you out. And once they do, you have to expect the fact that they are going to score touchdowns very quickly very quickly, and score lots of them. Like score, and then they scored, what, three, four possessions in was, a row. I think it was five out of seven they scored touchdowns. Yeah. So so it was like after they didn't score right away, then you like 
you're like, man, Tennessee, every time they get an opportunity to put the ball they in the better. end zone, they have to do it. Yeah. You can't trade three for seven in this game. That's not going to do anything for you. And that's where eventually Kansas City, like you got them down and you knew it's like, man, Tennessee is going to be in trouble because they just they can't generate offense through the air for like sustained enough of a time mm-hmm. to be able to come back from a multiple score deficit. Well, and the what I think is cool with this matchup going forward. So like it, to, to talk about the Titans Chiefs game, um, I think uh, Tony Romo is very quickly becoming my favorite color guy because mm-hmm. he kind of calls it how it actually is. Uh, like it, Col- I think Collinsworth, Romo, um, Aikman and Herb Street are the best in in the best in the game. I think those guys are exactly what, you know, color commentating should be. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that Romo said is Pat Mahomes is a, what a scheme destroyer. Like you can come up with the greatest scheme of all time and you can execute it perfectly, but he's going to find a way to get something done. He's going to run around in the right. backfield for 14 seconds and he's going to find Tyreek Hill running 97 yards down the field. But he's the only one that can make that throw or he's going to do what he did at the end of the half. And everyone's so scared of him passing because that's the game plan. It's just to get a ton of depth that he outruns everybody, gets the end zone, and they have terrible tackling near the end zone. But, like, they manage to force him. He manages to force you in a position that you don't even understand that you have to be in. And so he just destroys game plans. Like, he is the the LeBron James style, Steph Curry style, where, like, you know, when Steph is hot, you can play him face guard as much as you want, and you can, like, poke him in the eyes. But if he's hot... There's literally no defense like Kevin Durant. I feel like is when he's healthy is this kind of offensive player where like there are some times when you can play absolutely perfect defense. You can play everything perfect and shooters going to shoot and he's going to make more than he misses. And like Pat Mahomes is the same thing. Like as much of a defensive scheme as you want to put together, sometimes he just wrecks it. He destroys what your, your game plan is going to be. And I think what's really fun about looking at this matchup, um, this is a, again, the motion that San Francisco runs on offense is really, it's really easy ways to get yourself good angles on defense. And if I were to nitpick with Kansas City's defense of where they're probably weakest, it's at the linebacker level where you have Anthony Hitchens, I think is a, a good NFL linebacker, especially against the run. But then you have Ben Neiman, who's a fine player, but he's better against in open space against the pass. And like Sorensen is a good physical tackler, but he's not like a true in-the-box safety. Like, Teron Matthew can do everything. Yeah. And so, Honey Badger is going to probably have to play a lot of run fits because he's just going to have to, when something opens up completely against the 49ers, he's going to have to fill that. But the other way, when you look at the Chiefs' offense versus the 49ers' defense, that defense that the 49ers have, it is predicated on getting after the quarterback and playing a lot of zone behind it. They'll play man every once in a while, but they'll play zone behind it because they figure your receivers aren't going to find the holes in the zone before their defensive line gets to the quarterback. That is going to what's going to win the game because no one can man with the chiefs. They can't. Right. Also, Pat Mahomes can fit footballs in windows that no one else can. And so you have the best quarterback against zone and the best defense against quarterback or against uh, best defense against passing, especially with we can drop back pass a ton. Who's going to win that matchup? Are they going to be able to get to the quarterback before he finds windows? 
Or is he going to be able to scramble and make plays? Like in the second half, when the, the Packers did start to make some kind of a comeback, where were those big plays coming from? Rodgers scrambles. Mm-hmm. As he booted out to the right, he throws, you know, 60 yards down the field to Devontae Adams in one of like the nine good throws that Rodgers made on the day. And that kind of like off script play is really bad against zone because you have to find a guy. Then you're looking at the quarterback. Well, all of a sudden the quarterback boots, guys go into a scramble drill. You have to turn around and find someone. Well, if you just quote, find Nicole Hardman or just find Tyreek Hill or try and find Travis Kelsey, those guys are going to, they're going to outrun you. It doesn't matter. They're going to find open space. And so if they, if Mahomes is able to kind of get out and make plays last longer than they should, the, even the 49ers defense can't do anything to it. But if they get to him, the Chiefs can't do the stuff they want to do. So, like, this is going to be the sexiest Super Bowl matchup that I think you could have gotten from either conference just because of the, the, the interesting nature of who's the Chiefs offense versus the 49ers defense because it's like a razor's edge of one versus the other. It's not like one team's... I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to have marginal success. They're either going to have no success or they're going to score at will. Like one of those two things. I feel like it's going to be very hard. You know, like Pat Mahomes isn't going to have a 270-yard day with one touchdown and no interceptions. He's not going to have that game. It's either going to be 450 with four touchdowns or 10 of 26 with two interceptions and 190 yards. And I just can't imagine that. I can't either. I I can't imagine that possibly being the case. Like as it's been two years now with this team, and if Pat Mahomes is either one, not basically running around on one leg, one leg, no one has has been able to slow them down. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Two years, thirty something games, like that. That to me is it's like the, I don't know. Yeah, you got two weeks and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I and don't see how anybody can figure that out in two weeks. It's like, oh, this is what we're gonna do. And it's kind of it. It is cool too because like. And the 49ers can put up points in bunches just a different way. They go about it a different way. I think it was good, too, for the Chiefs to actually have to play Tennessee because it gave it. I think that gives them confidence in knowing like, okay, we know we can stop the run. Well, I think Baltimore is when Baltimore is on Baltimore and San Francisco are the most similar teams when it comes to that, because they get at you in such unique ways of getting angles that they've got speed everywhere and they've got the 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 guys to to make peculiar blocks like use check will make will take two steps to the right, come back to the left, and then pin a defensive end back to the right. Like he's he's able to do stuff like that, and nobody else can do it. Um, but the yeah, the Titans and the Ravens and the 49ers are the three kind of running teams that if you wanted to figure out like how do we stop the run, it's those three teams that yeah. are gonna that you're gonna need to be able to stop the run against. And even then, like the Titans are, we're gonna line up in the I formation. We're gonna line up in single F-U. back. Yeah, in single back yeah. with uh, you know. 22 personnel or something like that. And it's just like, we're just going to run straight at you. Yeah. And that's it. Like yeah. you got, got no choice. And that was the thing that I thought the chiefs did pretty well was even on early on in the game, like Derrick Henry was able to get those four or five yard chunks, mm-hmm. but they did a much better job of like making contact with him in the hole or like right behind, like right behind the line of scrimmage with a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And where if you could slow him down and keep him from getting his full momentum, you could limit those to two or three yards. And I mean, he falls forward, he's six foot five or whatever it is. Yeah. Like he's going to still get, you know, he's still going to get four or five yards, but you're getting them into longer down and distance situations. And then it's like, all right, we're fine with uh, Ryan Tannehill standing back there and throwing the football. Mm-hmm. Beat well, us. And, the, and, and yeah, the thing is, I, I think Jimmy G is better than 
than uh, Ryan Tannehill, but I don't think he's like Peyton Manning. No. And so if you get them... If he was, I think they would probably be willing to rely on him more yeah. than what it seems like they are. But if... They, yeah, and if... Like, he's good. Like, it yeah. was the Seahawks he threw for like 380 or something like that. Like, he's yeah. still a good quarterback that can do... That is capable. But he's one of those guys that's a beneficiary, uh, at least right now. I think he's... he's What, this is his first full year starting. So you give him a couple more years, he's going to be more comfortable with reading defenses and understanding, like, the intricacies of stuff like that. But I think a lot of his benefit is sort of like we talked about with Lamar Jackson however long ago where defenses have to simplify what they do because you can't do a lot of this like spinning and like late shifting because if you do this like late shifting and you guess wrong the running game is so good for that respective team again we talked about with the Ravens Lamar Jackson and then the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo it's a different way to get about it, but you can't late shift. Yeah. Like you can't, you have to simplify your pass defense because you have to keep guys in position for run fits. So when you're doing, when you get to be third and 13, just if you can cover 19 with Debo Samuel and you can cover George Kittle, you can pretty much take care of what their third and 13 is because then you can run these crazy exotic coverages mm -hmm. that you've been running against everybody else. And that's like what, when people play against the Chiefs, I think you can just see that defenses, like early on they come in, they're like, well, they're jacked up. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, we're going to, you know, and I think you even heard T Tony Romo say it, that there'd never been anybody who had confused Pat Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he's like, I think that this Tennessee team can do it. But probably by about the midpoint of the first quarter to the beginning of the second, you could see where all of a sudden, like, those guys are like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, well, they're back on their heels because they know, like, okay, we can try and do some goofy stuff and, and things like that, but, like, you, you know, you better be really disciplined in what you're doing because they've got all these dudes who are just going to run right past you. Mm -hmm. and well, that's it, why they throw so many wide open touchdowns. When I think time. it's cool with uh, like Eric Bieniemy and, and Andy Reid, props to those two guys because Pat Mahomes can decipher it on the field. Yeah. But those guys are the ones that are calling formations. And like a lot of times it's, what is it? Players, formations, plays like that, that order of what your thought process is. Players. All right. We need to get the ball to 10 and 87 as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And I think Damian Williams is probably putting himself in that category of just get the ball to, is he 26? 26, yeah. Get, to, get it to those guys. And then formations, how do we get them better opportunities? And then you call play off of those things. So like players, formations, plays. The formations part, that's all Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy is like, they would line up Travis Kelsey as the number one receiver in a three receiver set, which is weird. A lot of times the tight end is going to be on the other side of that, but they put him as the number one because he's really hard to double out there. It's hard to double the number one receiver in trips because there's just so much crap that's over there. Then right. you have four guys, one of which is standing right next to the sideline. You're putting single coverage in the other side. So that's that second safety has to be over closer to the middle of the field, meaning it's closer to a man coverage with Travis Kelsey. So that's why they're going to hit these, you know, and Pat Mahomes has the arm to do it. That really, that far field, out or hitch that he's just mm -hmm. going to sling over to whether it's Kelsey or, or Robinson or whatever, because you have to play man to man on that one side or the, yeah. the number one to trips. So like where they know once we like, that's that kind of take a couple punches in the, in the boxing match, kind of feel what his range is and you go, okay, so you want to play double cover over Travis Kelsey. You want to play, or, you know, an over under double cover to Travis Kelsey. You want to play a side to side with, or, you know, you want to play like one deep, to Tyreek Hill, but you want to play him towards the inside or something like that and force him outside so he can't get to the middle of the field. All right, we got it. 
those, that is your preference. We understand what you're trying to do now. How do we call formations to make what you want to do really difficult to do? And that's when they'll put Tyreek Hill as the number three yeah. in a slot receiver because he's already in the middle of the field. They just trust that he's going to weave around the first guy and then outrun the second guy. So, and that's what makes it crazy too. Like where you see them in the, they like manufacture a run game out of whether it's short passes or like then even the play that they scored a touchdown on, I think their second touchdown where they lined up in like trips bunch mm-hmm. and normally they'll go, they'll run their jet sweep out of a, you know, like out of a, uh, off a of motion, mm-hmm. but it was like, they faked a stretch play where Williams is like acting like it's a stretch play. Mahomes is kind of coming back, but like Tyreek Hill is so fast that like while that all is happening, he comes from a set he comes formation. from a set formation and he's just already there to take the ball and go around the edge and like as a defender you're like, where'd that guy go? And even when Tyreek Hill is uh, at full speed, if you're a professional football player, you've not seen that speed. No, like he's so fast, he makes fast people look not fast. Right. And when a when a defensive end or a linebacker, or even a safety gets caught flat-footed on one of those, either it's an end around or an under, like, unless you get... Even Hardman. Hardman's like that, too. They, they got him one, and it was like, he got the edge, and you're like, oh, boy. And well, Debo Samuel for the 49ers is the same way, yeah. where he, you just get him in open space, and it's dirty. Yeah. But, like, if you don't cut him off, like, Adoree Jackson for the Titans was a track star at USC, and he was getting burned by Tyreek Hill. That dude has stupid speed. So you have all these creative ways, again, players, formations, plays, that the Chiefs look to do where they're like, okay, how can we put 10 and 87 in positions where what your opponent wants to do isn't going to work? And I think what's, I'm, I'm very interested to see what Richard Sherman does I was gonna say, with who, Tyreek Hill. I was just going to say, like, do you, I mean, I feel like you probably match him up. He doesn't match up. He doesn't? Richard Sherman, he only plays left side corner. He won't okay. match up to the other side of the field. So um, that's where the beef with Darrell Revis. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. I said, probably seen on Instagram or Twitter. Um, because Richard Sherman plays a different style corner that um, Darrell Revis did. Darrell Revis was true. Revis Island. Revis Island, man yeah. to man. Yeah. Put me on Deion Sanders style. Put me on him. Yeah. I'm going to take him out of the game. Uh, Richard Sherman plays left side of the field. But he, they also, a lot of times, because they know he's really, really good, they can play cover three, but they can kind of shade the cover three away from Richard Sherman because they know that he's probably got it handled. Mm-hmm. You don't got it handled against number 10. That one when he threw, like, where it was like, it was him and Devontae Adams. Adams just, like, ran right past him. Yeah. And you could see it where it's like him trying to keep up with him. It was like, oh, he's, man. He's that, sm- that's what, where he's kind of he's, limited. Yeah, he's smarter than every other defensive back, in, potentially in NFL history. Yeah. But he's also, he's in his, what, mid-30s? Yeah, now, and, he and, again, ju- and he's coming off last year he had a blown Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. yeah, so like he doesn't have that straight-up, straight-line speed. The only way that I can see Richard Sherman getting an advantage against Tyreek Hill is if he plays him really physical and he's able to stop him on the line of scrimmage. But that's also like not Richard Sherman's strong suit game. Richard and then Sherman, what happens if he does get off of him and, and then he's, he's got I mean, no he's help. past you? And, yeah. and again, Pat Mahomes needs half a second to launch a ball 70 yards up in the air and let Tyreek Hill run underneath it. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see how the 49ers try and defend that because again, they like to play zone underneath it. They don't love to play man all the time. So they'll play some kind of zone. Tyreek Hill is going to get opportunities to just outrun dudes. Yeah. Just, just go full track speed and let 15 just throw it up. Well, and it's like him and, uh, 
and Kelsey just they generate so much interest or like so so many eyes mm-hmm. that you then you got a guy like Sammy Watkins who is a very high level receiver in his own right. Yeah. Like then you got him, then you got Hardman, you got Robinson, like you've got all these different dudes. It's like both Williamses. Yeah, both Williamses. You're like, how do you cover them all? You I mean you can't. Clearly. You you clearly can't. And that's like as good as Pat is, that that offense has been so perfectly constructed to fit around what he does. I mean, I leg- legitimately I was sitting there last night like thinking you know, just where they're going to draft. I was just thinking like, man, I wonder what they'll probably get. And it's like, they, you got to pick more defensive guys. Like, mm-hmm. what do they even need on offense? I, I don't always, even know. I, I mean, I don't know what the ages of their offensive linemen are, but you'd potentially want to get younger. Yeah. You always want to get younger on the offensive line, younger and deeper on the offensive line. But, and maybe get another tight end. Like, if there's another standout tight end that's available to take that could accent Kelsey. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or I don't know if you want a receiver, because they don't have a lot of big receivers either. Like, but do maybe, you need one? Not really, but yeah. like, let's say there is a guy as if, you know, if Hakeem Butler were to be in the draft again, somebody like Hakeem Butler, who is more of a, it's because Travis Kelsey is your, 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 you know, third and three, but if it's, you know, first and goal from the seven and you know, you can set up Kelsey and he's going to get double covered and Tyreek Hill's going to get double covered and you're going to get one-on-one with a nickel on this tall receiver and you can get a one-on-one, then that's just another weapon they can get. But the, yeah, the Chiefs are the 49ers. Like I'm super pumped about this matchup because it actually has the potential to be really, really sexy mm-hmm. with a lot of just really smart, modern football, one of which coming from Andy Reid, who's been coaching for 67 years, one of which is coming from Kyle Shanahan, who's 40. So I, it's a very, to me, that's a really fun Super Bowl matchup, and it'll be a fun two weeks to kind of like hypothetically like see what these guys are going to do and what type of trash talk Richard Sherman talks to everybody or what type of stuff Frank Clark's going to say, which... Big did, time. You, did you see his video after the game? Yes. Remarkable. He, he, is, uh, he is an individual. He spends more time getting beeped, I think, than he did <laughs> saying anything else. He is, uh, he is his own unique uh, flower. We're the, human. we're the mother effing best in the world or something like that. I was like, jeez, okay. okay. You're on TV, man. What did Kelsey say? He said something to Pat Mahomes on TV. He said, I, th- I think he said, I effing love you. Oh, I don't remember. But I remember what he, he said. You got to fight for your right to party yeah. on national television. Yeah. Man, what a... I feel, I'm so happy for Chiefs fans. I'm so excited for them. I think, th- yeah, this is... It's cool, too, because, like, yeah, 49ers fans, they had their day in the sun, but their last day in the sun was 1994. Yeah. What year were you born? 1994. Yeah. They haven't been... Well, I mean, they a- played in the Super Bowl. Not since 94. Yeah, they did. They played with Colin Kaepernick. Oh, that's true. Sorry. Yeah. Harbaugh. That's true. Never mind. So, yeah. but they haven't had their real. They like, probably would have won that game if it hadn't been for the power outage power too. Well, yeah. that probably couldn't. It could have yeah. potentially. But like, I feel like they're a, um, not necessarily a long suffering, but like they've been really bad in a few years, you know, a few five, 10 years since 1994. And uh, well, they go two and 14 when the, the year that. Mitchell Trubisky went number one overall Mm -hmm. when they traded that pick away. Bad. Yeah. And now they're good. Going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. You want to take a quick break? Then we'll talk about Iowa State for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll be right back. Football and random things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network in the Carl Chevrolet Studios. CarlChevrolet.com. CarlChevroletStewart.com. All right, so you wanted to do, what did you want to do again? Well, the... the we talked about this last night, but... It's kind of a fun, I, I think a fun little 
activity while everything is fresh and new and prior to kind of the, the recruiting, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's going on with the recruiting and who's signing or whatever of if you had a magic wand and you could just wave it over strength and conditioning, football scheme, like whatever, if you could, if you could hypothetically wish something to happen to the Iowa state football program or with the Iowa state football program, what would that or those things be? And, um, the thing that I, I like more scheme than the actual strength and conditioning part of it, because I think the culture that they have from the last strength coach to this one, as long as they don't change it, I think it's good of just continuing like fighting to win and stuff and, and making sure that the attitude of like perfection is there that no, no mistake is too small to correct that kind of attitude. But schematically, I would like to see, and that's going to, and like players wise, I want to see, I'm selfish with the running back position. I want to see Brees Hall get pushed. Like I want to see whether it's Jarrell Brock or whether it's, um, I don't know, Johnny Lang, whatever. Like I want to see him get pushed for position and then make them, make someone force the coaching staff to put them on the field. You know, like O'Brien Vance did last year with linebackers where he wasn't scheduled to be a starter going into fall camp. He wasn't scheduled to be a guy like he was going to get beat out by Marcel Spears and just have to be a backup, but he made it. So they had to change their scheme to fit him into the game because he was so damn good. that They couldn't keep him on the sidelines. And he proved that the rest of the season that it was the right decision. I want to see a running back do that. Like they don't have, I mean, they have the three tight ends. They have Sainer that can be a fullback. But what kind of fun stuff can this offense exist with Brock Purdy back there with two running backs? And then you have two tight ends or you can go 23 personnel or, or excuse yeah, 23 personnel, two backs and three tights and spread everybody out. Or you can condense it back tight and it'd be real FU strength personnel. Like that's what I think if there's one thing that I would like to see, it's that a running back pushes the offense to change a little bit just by being so good. Mm-hmm. I think that you could say the same thing about the defensive side with Will McDonald or someone like that. Yeah. A true dominant pass rusher. Like, I think they could, that's something that maybe was missing a little bit this year at times. I mean, until later in the season. Until later when, in the season. When that when was Will, Will McDonald. McDonald. Yeah. But yeah, like, what can you do? What, uh, like, one guy offensively to force himself into the game plan? Because I think the three tight ends did that too. Like, having the three tight ends, the capacity to run you know, Saner and Allen tight and split Charlie out as a wide receiver and then run a play, which is ostensibly 12 personnel. And then the next play, bring him in as a full attached tight end, put him as a hand down guy, put Saner back in the backfield as a fullback. And now you're running essentially 22 personnel. And that kind of the flexibility that has, if you could have a running back, like let's say maybe it's Kanae Wangu or maybe it's Johnny Lang that can do stuff like they would do with Montgomery of put him in the slot and let him be a receiving threat. Cause I don't think that's Brees's game, but it might be Johnny's mm-hmm. or it might be Kane's where if you can be a potential slot receiver, then you can run what the chiefs do with Tyree kill or what the, the 49ers do with Debo Samuel, where they run a lot with him or yeah. what the, the West, what West Virginia did with Tavon Austin back in what, 2011, when you can hand it to him 12 times, you can throw it to him 11 times and he can return kicks. Something that is diverse and just like a unique flair to the offense. Cause the three tight ends is really cool, but can there be another guy 
maybe, you know, maybe it's a running back. Maybe it's Darren Wilson that just becomes like a, a smaller, quicker guy. There's, isn't there another running back or a wide receiver that's shorter and super quick? It's a slot guy that I forget the name, um, but he's one of those guys when you watch him, he has that like another level of speed. And I forget the guy that I'm thinking of, but um, should have been pre-searched. Yeah, but. I would say, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to think, but I don't know. Either way, like yeah. somebody on offense that forces the offense to transition out, and not say transition, but forces the, de- the offense to change because this coaching staff has also shown a propensity to do that, to say, okay, how do we get our best 11 on the field? And what if our best 11 is two running backs and three tight ends? Okay, well, we got to find a way to get two running backs and three tight ends in the field, and they'll do it, and they'll try and find a way to make that happen. I think it would be good, too, for there to be a battle for all of the positions on the offensive line, but for like a good reason. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's a group of guys, eight, nine guys that are competing for those spots rather than like, we have to put these people on the field. I think yeah. that that would be another thing. Cause it's like pushing other people to continue to get better. Not where it's like, we go into spring ball. I got my job, mm-hmm. you know, I got my job. Nobody's going to pass me up for my job and those kinds of things. Well, and I think there's, yeah, there's a carrot and stick that you have to have with, with the coaching staff. Yeah. Which, carrot is we want you to do better because we want to do better for the team the stick is if you don't do better there's a guy who is doing better you need to do better and so you have to have that I feel like you have to have a little bit of fire under somebody's ass pretty much all the time unless they're an absolute special player like I don't think you have to light Brock Purdy on fire like you don't have to be like hey Real might take your job yeah he does we all know that's not true but we all should yeah. We all should know that's saying, not true. I was say, well, but yeah. it, it's not true. No, no, it's, it's not, not going to happen. No, absolutely not going to happen. But um, side point, side point. <laughs> but if uh, like, yeah, certain guys where as they're kind of learning, coming into their own, understanding what to do, you know, guys like Colin Newell, who's really good to potential. And again, I don't know the kid personally. So maybe this is not again, maybe it is like Brock, but where you get again, a fire under somebody's ass to be like, look how much better you have to get in order to even just play. And that kind of driving force to get them better is going to be, you know, it's what makes LSU and Alabama and Clemson as good as they are on the lines is because if you don't execute, you don't do the things you need to do. We got a guy that's sitting right behind you. That's just as good. He's just waiting for your opportunity to slip up. And I, it, yeah, if you're looking for the offensive line, like to get competition, I think you're in the right spot. But again, what guys, I want somebody to step up to essentially force themselves into the game plan and I'm very curious to see what happens with that as it kind of progresses into spring ball, progresses through the first little bit with the strength staff. And the strength staff's really starting from square one. Mm-hmm. Like they have no preconceived notions of who should be doing what or who. Shout sh- out to the return of Trevor Ryan, yeah. by the way. Trevor Ryan coming back. Baby Lens. The fastest white person David Montgomery's ever seen. Baby Lens. I don't know. <laughs> no, you. It was just uh, that quote came back up the other day, and I was like, "Man, shout out to <laughs> shout out to Dave Montgomery, fastest Trev's a dog, fastest white boy he's ever seen. Yeah, fastest um, white person I ever seen. But yeah, that's it's interesting with the strength staff too, um, with a lot of offensive line turnover, because you know, you, with any existing staff, they have kind of preconceived notions as to who works hard, who doesn't work hard, um, and then you know maybe you're a freshman who came in and you were a slob your, your first year and then you kind of figured it out. But the preconceived notion that was, the book was already out on you that said you were a slob. And so some staff, even though, you know, everybody tries to be open-minded and tries to be like, yeah, people change and whatever, they're working harder. 
um, you still kind of have that sitting in the back of your mind. That, yeah. You know, some guy's not working as hard because he didn't when he was younger. Um, I'm interested to see now just because that staff has, again, they have no preconceived notions as to who works hard, who doesn't, who's able to do something well, who's not. They just get a, they have to observe. They have to see what's going on. So it's a chance for guys to get like a fresh start. And your opportunities in spring come from your work in the winter. So if you want to play in spring ball, you better show up and show out mm-hmm. in winter conditioning. And if you show up and show out in winter conditioning, then you even get a chance for the coaches to put you in. Because the strength staff, if you're a, tur- if you're a total turd, the strength staff would be like, I guarantee you, you put this guy in here, he's going to let you down. And what the strength staff goes, or what strength staff says, goes. Like, it is their, they're the ones that get to interact every single day with the athletes. So if they say this guy doesn't work hard or this is not reliable or he's not trustworthy, that stays. That's done. So if you wanted to even get a chance to sniff the field in, a- or in, in April or March or whenever spring ball starts, you better work hard now. Yeah. And so now you, these guys, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, uh, guys in the secondary that might have the, ch- you know, might have been sophomores or whatever that got kind of passed up by these freshmen, you know, these guys that have a chance to get themselves on the field, they have a clean slate to work with. So there's a lot of potential spot replacements here or there just because strength staff can recommend it to the spring. And, you know, again, a guy balls out in the spring, gets him a chance to start in the summer, and then he balls out in the summer and he gets a chance to go into fall camp as essentially a leader or a contender for a job. Yeah. All right, you got any final thoughts? I know you got to go, so. No final thoughts other than I think this, the Super Bowl matchup all year that other than, I mean, Baltimore and the AFC is arguable that they could have, should have been the AFC representative. But I think the 49ers were clearly the best team in the NFC. I agree. The only one that was close was Seattle because they pushed them re, like down to the wire. And then the Saints also pushed 49ers down to the wire, but they came out ahead of each one of those. So they were, again, they're the best. They flexed themselves to say the best team. And the AFC, it was, yeah, either the Ravens or the Chiefs. And I think the Ravens were benefit, like they benefited from the fact that the Chiefs battled a lot of injuries yeah. for a lot of the season. Because the Chiefs if did Mahomes beat them early in the season. If Mahomes didn't miss three weeks yeah. with a knee injury, they lose, what, one, two games? And then play, I mean, three or four games with a sprained yeah, ankle. A, with a bum leg. Yeah. So if, if he's healthy the entire season, then... I mean, he threw 26 touchdowns and he missed multiple games. Yeah. Missed, missed was three, injured for a handful of missed games. Missed three and a half and then was injured for another three. Yeah. So he was healthy for two-thirds of the season and threw 26 touchdowns. So I think the best teams won. And I think, like I said, it's the football purist in me is like these coaching staffs and these players get it. Yeah. That football is taking what you do and doing it really, really well. And if you can do it better, you can do what you do better than they do what they do. You're going to win. And I think it's just, I'm pumped to see it. Definitely. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks everybody for listening. Go check out Carl Chevrolet, carlchevrolet.com, carlchevroletstewart.com. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.